Travis Ryer with a reminder that Second Helping is now a part of a new network. That's right. Moving forward, Second Helping is teamed with the Pigskin Podcast Network. Now, with the Pigskin Podcast Network as our primary platform, you'll still be able to hear us wherever you consume podcasts and will be brought to you in part by DraftKings, a partnership we'll tell you more about a little later in the program. For now, though, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of college athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, alongside my great friend, co-host of the podcast, Brent Beard. Brent, of course, longtime college football analyst there at First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida, and also a longtime voter in the race for the number one individual honor in collegiate athletics, the Heisman Trophy, and Brent. Here comes October, but first, I guess we got to talk about here comes Ian. Yes, yes, we got games that are being uh, rescheduled. Certainly thoughts and prayers for everyone in uh, our state of Florida who is affected by this one way or another. But uh, as far as what we talk about on this podcast, uh, travel, and we mentioned this in the preseason uh, the, these first two weekends of October, extremely critical in SEC playing some tremendous games on the horizon. No doubt about it. We'll get into Kentucky Ole Miss, obviously. We'll get into Alabama, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, sort of low-key under the radar mm-hmm. in the later afternoon hours of Saturday. But a big one between SEC Western Division opponents Speaking of the SEC West, it is kind of an SEC West Saturday, it feels like, with Alabama-Arkansas, Texas A&M, Mississippi State. And then later in the evening, you'll also have LSU and Auburn from the Plains. But again, Ian wrecking some havoc on the league. As we know, South Carolina State, South Carolina has been moved up to Thursday night. And some Sunday football in the Southeastern Conference. How about that, Brent? Eastern Uh, Washington and Florida in Gainesville, noon Eastern on Sunday now, with Ian expected to, unfortunately, as you outlined, cut a swath right across the state of Florida. Uh, I would say in both of those instances, South Carolina and Florida, teams trying to make sure they get a W on the schedule, right? When you start thinking about potential bowl hopes and things like that. Uh, No question. Uh, and, And obviously, Florida played much better. Uh, in a loss to Tennessee that a lot of Gator fans, I wonder if Pops was included, <laughs> thought that thought that it was a moral victory to get that close to Tennessee. But I give I give Florida credit when you're throwing Trav when you're throwing into the end zone on the last play of the game and, and have got yourself in a position to to win that that certainly means something for a coach in his first year. And I think big picture wise, if you're a Florida fan, the performance of Anthony Richardson, especially throwing the football, gives you renewed hope, even in a loss for the remainder of the season. And you got a feel good opportunity with an FCS opponent set to take on the Gators on Sunday, Florida, from an injury perspective, this is also an opportunity, almost a built in bye week that you get a win for. Uh, to maybe get some guys healthy as well. But the psyche of that team should be in good shape. You look at a team that's two and two coming out of that trip to Knoxville. Uh, I thought Billy Napier also instilled some confidence in his team in terms of how he managed the game. He was aggressive throughout, 
I think he could certainly be questioned on the two-point attempt there in a 38-27 game. Uh, that could have been big, uh, but he goes for the fourth downs. He continues to you know, instill that confidence into Anthony Richardson, and you know, I guess as much as anything, I was a little surprised at how easily Florida gave it up, but considering what we've seen from Hendon Hooker now over a full season of action and even without Cedric Tillman, man, Tennessee can still light you up. Yeah, they really can. What a tremendous performance. Uh, and that, and the, even, yes, without Tillman, uh, and they're developing other guys. And Florida, Trent, Florida's got to do that too. Uh, Justin Shorter came up big in the game, but they've got to find uh, some other targets. Uh, I, I like what you said about uh, Billy Napier being aggressive. I don't think he was reckless, but I think he was aggressive, and his team uh, appreciated that. But Trav, I, I, the way to to tie into what you said, the way that Hendon Hooker was scoring and they were going down the field, I think he the the thinking was we've got to give our defense some kind of rest here because if we give this ball back the way we're playing particularly with the bust and the secondary that Florida had. Uh, I think Napier knew they couldn't give up any more points than they had. Yeah, both secondaries. Uh, neither secondary really set the wheels really? on fire in the game. Hendon Hooker averaged 12.5 yards per attempt, 349 on just 28 passes. And even with 44 throws, Anthony Richardson averages 10.3 per mm-hmm. attempt. And you know, Richardson, he did have the interception late. That's in desperation mode. You don't even really consider that. Right. And that he's doing what he has to do basically on the last play of the game. He did have the big turnover in the run game, though. Yes, that was yes. a turning point in the game. I thought on the play, he had something working on the outside, he but he ditched his puller instead, choosing to cut it up early, and he just ran into a wall of balls. And the turnover occurred. And in a game like that where you got to basically score, it feels like, almost every possession, that's sometimes all it takes. He got 62 yards on the ground and a couple of touchdowns, so that certainly helped. Now, now again, Trav, here's another thing to keep in mind, and you alluded to this last week. How healthy is Jack Miller? And if Miller's healthy, will he see some time against Eastern Washington uh, because, again, if uh, you're Billy Napier and you've got a healthy backup, uh, as you alluded to last week, do you take more of a chance, Travis, after that uh, with that knowledge and knowing Miller can play uh, to maybe uh, gamble a little bit more and let Richardson make some more touchdown uh, possibilities with his legs than you would if you don't really have a backup you trust. Well, here's the deal. Once we get to October and you got offenses like Florida, like Tennessee, like Arkansas, where the quarterback is central to the run game as well as being a passer, the training wheels come off. This is the month. This is the time, even going to Florida and Tennessee, uh, last week, I think Arkansas, Texas A&M was part of this too. Uh, quarterbacks like KJ Jefferson, Hendon Hooker, Anthony Richardson, you're going to see them get up into the mid-teens in terms of carries. Between Richardson and Hooker in the game on Saturday, you had 30 combined carries. 
And so I think 15-ish a game mm-hmm. uh, is what you're going to see because this is what those teams are going to need from those quarterbacks to win yes. games like last Saturday. And for Tennessee, yes, you're off this week, but you're looking ahead to LSU and Alabama back-to-back. So uh, Hendon Hooker, you talk about Heisman candidacies. Boy, that was a nice first step for him in getting on the radar and with what Tennessee has coming up next and understanding that he's going to be fully unleashed, you would think, in those games. A couple of great opportunities for him with you as Eisman Trophy voter. Uh, and, Trav, can we also throw Jalen Daniels of LSU in there, too? Uh, I mean, he was 24-29 yeah. passing, but as we've known, I, I think I think that he really kind of made his mark early by being able to uh, uh, to take advantage of the defense and to, and to run the ball. We, we saw that even early on when he, in the Florida State game. So point, point well taken. Now, we've got – uh, I, I don't know if this is the most, uh, if we can use that that word, dual threat here. Uh, if it's the most dual threat quarterbacks we've had in the league, or it's certainly uh, one of those years to where we've got, uh, uh, gosh, almost half these quarterbacks travel can really uh, help their team with their legs as much as their arm. Yeah, it's it's not just the the zone read type of offense where you're talking about i mean bryce young can still make plays yeah, with his legs absolutely as we've seen will levis can make plays with his legs i think even jackson dart of ole miss there's going to be more maybe placed on him uh we're running the football is concerned so a lot of things to consider what we'll do is we just knocked out florida and eastern washington for you we went ahead and took care of sunday's <laughs> game because there shouldn't be much to preview from the no, eastern washington no. side of things so We'll go back to Thursday night coming up, South Carolina in that game that has been moved with in-state opponent, South Carolina State. Uh, So South Carolina, we've talked about this so far under Shane Beamer. These are the kind of games where you don't typically see a hiccup from the Gamecocks. And it was very important for them, I thought, Brent, to rebound not just with a win, but with an emphatic win over Charlotte last weekend. Uh, no question about that. And uh, I think the thing for them that that may have been just as important was uh, to find a running game. Uh, mm-hmm. Marshawn Lloyd, who's a guy that we mentioned, Trav, for how many months now? 169 yards. Uh, and, and that's something they've been waiting on for uh, quite some time. Spencer Rattler. Uh, rather pedestrian at 17 of 23 for 187, but uh, they, I think he played kind of within himself and within the offense. So that that's the thing that attracted my attention as so much as anything else was uh, how much that would help Spencer Rattler to get a real running game in if if Lloyd is ready. Uh, to go at this point. So uh, huge for them. And again, uh, Beamer trying to get to a bowl game. So these are the games that he needs. And Trav, again, uh, being virtually the only game in town to some degree uh, in the SEC uh, Thursday night, they can use that for certainly recruiting purposes too. Yeah, you know what else? It gives them a jump start on prep for Kentucky. That next Saturday, which I is huge for them, the yes. Wildcats and South Carolina goes from South Carolina State Thursday night to Kentucky on October the eighth, and then a home date 
with Texas A&M after a bye week on October the 22nd. So doesn't hurt at all for Shane Beamer to go ahead and push that game up to Thursday night for Absolutely. a couple of reasons. Huge game, noon Eastern on Saturday, ESPN, Kentucky and Ole Miss. A top 15 matchup, Brent. I don't know if I've ever said that about uh, a matchup like Kentucky and Ole Miss, but here they are and both playing some good football. I would say based on their respective performances last Saturday, though, maybe a case of looking ahead to this big one maybe uh, in the early window on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's very possible. Now, I, now, now, one thing I, I learned from you years ago, and I'm going to apply it to this, is Chris Rodriguez, who we've been talking about the entire offseason and during the season, is actually back. He's back from suspension. So what's interesting here, uh, very good quarterbacks on both sides of the ball, uh, certainly with Will Levis and whoever that Lane Kiffin decides to go with, probably Jackson Dart. But with Rodriguez back, now, Trav, I'm sure he's in shape, but – what I learned from you years ago is there's a difference between being in shape and being in game shape. So for for this one, as badly as they need Rodriguez back, how quickly does he jump in here? And is does he have a hundred yard game in him off the bat? Yeah, that's he should have fresh legs, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shouldn't have much tread on. Uh, should Absolutely. have plenty of tread on those tires after sitting out <laughs> the month of September. And to use a, a basketball analogy, it's hard not to when it involves Kentucky. I know Mark yes. Stoops won't appreciate this, but maybe a, a game in terms of pace preference yes. Yes. with Ole Miss wanting to go faster and do more in the way of explosive plays on offense, whereas Kentucky has some explosiveness. You know, you look at the wide receiver position for Kentucky and you talk about maybe surprising groups, position groups in the SEC to this point of the season, it might be Kentucky's receiving core, but um, more of a defensive-oriented line of scrimmage team is how you look at Kentucky. I've said it before about this Ole Miss team. I think this Ole Miss offensive line, we talk about undervalued groups, Kentucky's wide receivers, Ole Miss's offensive line, uh, I think those are two that check the box in this game. Uh, well, and that gives you credence to why the uh, Ole Miss is leading the uh, uh, the SEC in rushing. Uh, and, and frankly, Travis, I think these are two better defenses that than people give mm-hmm. them credit for. O- Ole Miss right now, the number two rush defense uh, in the league. Now, uh, with that said, Tulsa gave gave them fits because they've got a good passing game, but. Is that? But I, I and I give Lane a lot, a lot of credit with this. Would we have seen this travel a few years ago with Lane? Uh, meaning they they've got the best rushing attack in the league statistically, and their defense is much improved. I I, I think that's a real sign of maturity for this Ole Miss team. Yeah, I, I think I I think I should like the home team in this game, but I trust. Yeah. The quarterback, maybe yeah, more for the visiting team, and Will Levis. And we say that, and we know Levis a year ago mm-hmm. had some turnover issues. He so is he, he is he fully rehabilitated from those issues? Uh, I would think he is at this point, but should be a hell of a game really? in Oxford on Saturday. Hey, let's talk three thirty Eastern on CBS, Alabama and Arkansas. 
This one took a little bit of a hit last Saturday night when Arkansas really let an opportunity get away in a loss to Texas A&M there in Arlington, Texas. Really felt like Arkansas was on the doorstep early in the second quarter of not maybe putting this game away, but maybe going up 17 to nothing, yes. Brent, or 21 to nothing. And there's been a lot of talk in the aftermath about the impossible field goal miss that goes off the top of the upright for Arkansas uh, that would have won the game for the Razorbacks. You also had a bad snap that preceded that that made that field goal about 10 yards farther than it needed to be. But I thought early in the second quarter, Arkansas had a chance to really yes. step on Texas A&M's neck. Yes. And they got a little cute mm-hmm. in their play calling inside the A&M 40 up 14 to nothing. They feature Malik Hornsby on three straight plays. The backup quarterback slash wide receiver end up punting, and they do pin A&M down inside the 10, but they left that door open just enough, and you know, Devon A-Chain doesn't need much of a crack, does he, Brent? No, no. To turn a game around, and that's what he did with that 63-yard run. A&M gets in the end zone, and from that point forward, Arkansas was in a dogfight. Uh, and, and Trav, the other thing that I, I, I questioned too was this KJ Jefferson. Or look, I know he's six five, six four, <laughs> but this this attempt to leap into the end yeah. zone, Trav, from what yeah. the five yard line? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, th- there's no doubt. There were multiple instances in this game where it just felt like, wow, um, Arkansas had just amazing opportunities. And then even statistically, when you look at it. You know, if you had told me going into the game, Arkansas is going to run for 244, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and Jefferson and Rocket Sanders are con- are going to combine for, let's say, about 175, <laughs> I would have really, yeah. really liked Arkansas's chances. Now, Devon A-Chain did go for 159 on 19 mm-hmm. carries. He did have that 63-yarder, so he kind of did Devon A-Chain things. And I thought Max Johnson statistically doesn't show up, he did just enough he as did. a runner. As a passer, he was very Max Johnson-ish, I would say. <laughs> uh, only 151 yeah. yards, but he did have the touchdown pass. And obviously getting Evan Stewart back in that passing game was huge. For A&M, though, and we'll talk about this more in relation to its matchup with Mississippi State, just awful news earlier this week with the injury Devastating. to Anaya Smith, right? Devastating because Travis and I Smith, Bama fans remember this too. Uh, Travis and I Smith is not one of your best receivers. He's one of your best return guys. Is best he football not? players. Yeah. Yeah. Best football players in general on that A&M team. So it impacts multiple areas. DraftKings changed the fantasy football game forever in 2012. Now, 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game. That's right. There's a new way to enjoy daily fantasy football and a new shot to win millions in prizes. All of it from the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers Football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contests all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, you'll craft your lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like you would in daily fantasy football. The 
next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TPPN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season long and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. When we think about Arkansas and moving ahead to this matchup with Alabama on Saturday afternoon, the Crimson Side coming off a 55-3 shellacking of visiting Vanderbilt, pretty much indicative of the way that series has gone throughout the years. Uh, For Alabama, I thought, Brent, it was important to get those guys on the outside involved often and early, early and often, either way you choose to look at that. But (laughs) Ja'Cory Brooks, Jermaine Burton, those wide receivers in the first half, over 200 combined receiving yards. Bryce Young, very efficient. Um, The defense, very, very effective once again with an emphasis on stopping the run and then getting off the field on third down. Well, and, and look, everybody you talk to uh, about Alabama, one of the one of the uh, in the top five t- things they say is something about Jamarian Miller. My goodness, uh, back, yeah. uh, uh, just a trap, just a freight train going through there. Is he not? I'm I'm curious. And again, uh, uh, and th- this is something you've talked about for years with Nick Saban, and and this and, and we hear it from Kirby Smart. You can tell Miller is gaining Saban's trust uh, that he's getting some more carries. I wonder if we will start to see him a little bit earlier uh, here. But to me, the, the the key for this game is going to be Arkansas among the national leaders. Uh, in sacks and pressuring the passer, but they are one of the worst teams in the nation in the secondary as far as uh, the average pass defense. So, Trent, my question is, uh, can the Bama offensive line protect Bryce Young? Uh, and if Bryce gets time, what kind of damage can he do with the with the receivers you just mentioned in that hog secondary? Well, we knew what he could do with John Mechie and Jamison Williams because he threw for 559 yards against the Hogs last November. So, yeah. but this is a different group, and I think that is a major storyline for Saturday. Wide receiver play in general for both teams because there isn't a Traylon Burks anymore, as so, we know, in Arkansas, and he devastated Alabama in the game in Tuscaloosa last season, whereas Jamison Williams absolutely took care of business in that win over the Razorbacks for Alabama. John Mechie sort of got things going in that game against Arkansas. All those guys are now in the National Football League. I think protection, as you said, for both teams is going to be critical because I think both defenses are capable of putting the other offense in some obvious passing situations. For Alabama, something that it did effectively last year against Arkansas. And Barry Odom's more of a zone guy. Mm-hmm. But he brought some blitzes, man, against Alabama. Second, third, long. He went against his tendencies. And he brought that fifth guy. And he hung his secondary out to dry sometimes in some man-to-man situations. Um, but if you're Barry Odom, you're also thinking, yeah, they got us last year. But they don't have those guys on the outside from last year, no. this year. So, you might see a continuation of the pressure, and 
Um, Alabama adjusted to it last year by bringing Kendall Randolph into the game as the extra tight end, essentially an extra offensive lineman, went to more six and seven man protections, gave Bryce a little more time, and that's all he needed with Jamison, with Mechie, those kind of guys to really devastate Arkansas. Again, though, a lot of different pieces in this mix when we talk about the passing aspect of the matchup this time around. You know, I, I think Alabama wins the game. I don't think I like Alabama by as much as maybe yeah, some other people do because I thought Arkansas, it took everything Arkansas could do to lose that game to Texas yeah. A&M last yeah. Saturday, more so than A&M winning the game. And I don't worry about Arkansas, Brent, as much from a psyche perspective because, A, I like their head coach in terms of how he can get a team to bounce back and the culture he has implemented that's going to make that an easier proposition for Arkansas. And secondly, it's Alabama coming to town. That's That's always a nice benefit to a head coach. Well, and also Drew Sanders, who is playing as well as anybody, the former uh, Alabama player who transferred, uh, that that will be uh, certainly an interesting story. But, but Travis, one thing that I don't think is talked enough about, I know you've covered it, but this Alabama defense right now allowing only 3.33 yards per play. Uh, uh, look, I don't, I don't care who you are. Those are stellar numbers, aren't they? No, th- those will work. And, um, you know, that'll be key because Arkansas can be a big play run they, offense they can. and it can be a big play passing offense. We haven't seen it as much so far this season. And really in the first couple of games of the season, we didn't see it as much from Alabama either. Now the last two games for Alabama, you've seen Bryce Young climb back up into that double digit yards per attempt neighborhood, ULM, Vanderbilt. So they are trending in a positive direction, Alabama is, from that perspective. As we continue along the SEC, around the SEC for Saturday, we mentioned Texas A&M. The Aggies go on the road to take on a Mississippi State team that went into College Station a year ago and walked out with a W. Mississippi State does what it needs to do in rebounding against a MAC opponent over the weekend. A&M again, has to feel fortunate, I think, in a lot of ways to have gotten out of the Dallas area with that win over Arkansas. But as we outlined, it certainly came with a major price in Anaya Smith. I think Evan Stewart, I think even the tight end position now has to take on more prominence in the passing game for A&M. And that's just going to put more pressure on Devon A-Chain. And from there also, Max Johnson. Yeah, uh, no doubt. And, and to me, a change the key, uh, 159 yards uh, last week, just uh, again, proves over and over again uh, why he really needs to be the focal point of that offense. But this offense, they name Jimbo quarterback whisper or not, frankly, is very pedestrian. And I, I don't think they can get into a, uh, a track meet, uh, with Mississippi State, although my big question here is uh, Mississippi State's offensive line blocking the A&M uh, defensive line. Now, Will Rogers uh, still uh, pretty well got things back together uh, last week. Uh, what I understand is Caleb Ducking, also Micah Polk, 
they're developing pretty, pretty good uh, a combination with him. So going to, going to be a fascinating game in a lot of ways. And and I'll tell you what, I, I give A&M some credit, thought, thought they were dead and gone, but but have kind of revived themselves a little bit during this time too. Huge, huge matchup. Should be a lot of uh, fun in this game uh, to, to see where this is going uh, but, but but again, I, I'm I'm still just wondering, Travis, if Max Johnson continues with these numbers that that we're seeing, could we see Connor Wiegman, that freshman that Jimbo just salivates about getting him in the game? I'm not saying he's gonna he's gonna be the starter, but could Jimbo put him in a series or two, getting him ready for mid October and November? Yeah, I got a nickname already for Connor Wiegman. It's A&M Jameis because that's what we're being led to yeah, believe yeah, anyway. I, really? Connor Wiegman, and my eyes tell me too. I've talked about him in the past. I, I, I think he is the real deal at the quarterback position, but <laughs> it, it has that feel that this is going to be the Jameis of A&M for yeah, Jimbo. Right. And so I think it may take one more loss, mm-hmm. but put it this way. If A&M loses on the road, at Mississippi State this week and then at Alabama the next week, right, I would right. not be surprised at all to see Connor Wiegman by the time mid-October rolls around. And this is, we talk about backfilling and covering for a loss like Anaya Smith. This is where this defense should be able to do some of that too, right? I mean, no doubt. With, with the talent A&M has on that side of the ball, and we talked about it with Mississippi State and some games against the likes of LSU and Alabama, no, A&M with that defensive front should be able to get there with three or four guys this week. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that against Mississippi State and not play man coverage against that air raid offense, you have a real opportunity to severely limit uh, th- this this Mississippi State offense. So, no, th- that's what should happen. If, if you're really what paper says you are, mm-hmm. recruiting rankings say you are, on the defensive side of the ball, this is where the AM defense should be able to step up and not be too exotic or take many chances on defense in doing it. And again, this is what hurts AM and Leach, that they just don't have an effective vertical passing game yeah. that they need. Into your, into your point, uh, which is a good one, or are they going to even have time to set up and do what they need to do? Boy, uh, and by the way, Travis, ain't him Colorado State and Iowa, uh, you don't ever want to be in a category offensively with Iowa, do you, Trav? But have only, oh, this is amazing, only been to the red zone six times this year. Travis, mm. six, six times with Jim Bull in this offense. What in the world? Yeah. Hey, let's get into some of the primetime matchups. I, I guess this game qualifies as primetime. LSU at Auburn. Most years, <laughs> it certainly would. But, yes. boy, how about Auburn and Missouri? And we're going to talk about Missouri coming up next because the uh, Tigers have the unfortunate privilege of hosting Georgia at 730 yeah. on Saturday night. But Auburn, uh, man, it, it, I've had to remind myself in the last couple of days, Auburn won that football game Saturday yeah, because yeah. – uh, Missouri, we talk about teams trying to do everything it can to lose a game. Uh, boy, Arkansas and Missouri, kind of a dead heat for those honors after last Saturday, I'd say. 
Uh, and, and look, again, uh, Travis and Eli Drinkwood didn't need to do this. Setting up all those plays instead of trying to score a touchdown, oh, we're just going to take a knee and have our, our All-American kicker try it. Look, uh, you understand kicking because that's what you did in, in high school, but even if you're a, a great kicker, uh, Trav, deep down, do you want all that pressure on you? I know it was basically an extra point. Oh, I think I think that cat did. I, yeah. I think maybe if anything, uh, I, I'm not going to say he didn't take it serious enough, but I, I think he even thought it was automatic. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a guy that doesn't even warm up before he goes out there. You know, that's how confident he is in his ability. And no, I know crazy things have happened with field goals down on the plains. Yeah. We've seen that in in a couple <laughs> of games against Alabama. But uh, no, I would have I would have lost a lot of money if you had have given me the opportunity to take Mevis there in the make uh, in that situation. But wow, uh, you can point to a, a number of things, and that's understanding Auburn got out to the early lead and you know kind of let some things slip away. You had the injury there uh, for a short time at quarterback for Auburn. That was a scary sequence there with. Uh, uh, with Robbie and and then going to your number three guy and uh, but Auburn sustains. I don't know if that fan base was entirely thrilled to actually no. win that game no. on Saturday. And I, from what I understand, some of the more prominent supporters of Auburn football weren't exactly thrilled with that. Um, there's already talk on the planes. From what I understand, Deion Sanders, you know, Deion it can't get much hotter right now between the tech job coming open and and some Auburn folks that are really already all in with him. Uh, It feels like Dion season already, but for this Auburn team, who knows, maybe they're just going to be one of those teams that week to week continue to scrape by, you know, LSU on the other hand, looks like a team that since the, the second half of that season opener against Florida state really has been moving in the right direction. Oh, they found themselves. Uh, there, there's no question about that. And, and 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 they've done a lot of this on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and uh, Noah Kane, the Penn State transfer, uh, he he showed up last week and played well. That that made a real difference. Uh, my, uh, Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas, uh, were coming together along with Kayshawn Boudet uh, at wide receiver. So that that's made a difference. We mentioned Jalen Daniels a few minutes ago, who who is coming into his own. Uh, but Trav, a couple things that, with this Auburn team that, uh, that that really it just gets worse. They lost their second center, Tate Johnson is going to have elbow surgery, so that that's a real struggle for them. And a group that's struggling even more are these wide receivers. Auburn is one of three Division One schools without a touchdown, Travis, from its wide receivers receiving or rushing. The, the other two were UAB and South Florida. And we talked at the beginning of the year uh, about what a, a difficult season it was going to be for these wide receivers. And, boy, that has held true. Yeah, it has. And then to compound it with the health issues at the quarterback position, uh, Tough, tough spot for Auburn going into this. The big thing benefiting Auburn, obviously, this week, uh, playing at home. That that yes. That is still a benefit, I think, to yeah. Auburn at this point. <laughs> After this week, 
Uh, we'll see. Georgia at Missouri on Saturday night, 7.30 Eastern. That is an SEC Network broadcast. The Dogs, interesting game over the weekend with that 39-22 to win over visiting Kent State. Kent State had to walk out of Sanford Stadium with his chest out <laughs> after really uh, doing some things offensively that we don't see a lot of SEC teams do against that Georgia D. No, no. And listen, some of this, what was also self-inflicted, uh, Land McConkey, who, who normally has been playing well, uh, really struggled in that game, Trav, muffed a punt, which earned a tongue lashing from one Kirby Smart, and then dropped the ball in the end zone, among others. Uh, Javon Buller, the defensive back, who's the starter, uh, he gets uh, in some legal issues after the game is over, certainly gave certainly gave Kirby a lot to uh, uh, to discuss with this team. They were also a bit uh, entitled, I think, at that point. But still, the same stalwarts uh, kind of got them through. Brock Bowers, uh, who listen is going up my Heisman list real quick. I bet. Uh, two carries, uh, 77 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, there's really nothing he can't do. I mean, Stetson Bennett. Uh, certainly was fine. Twenty-seven of thirty-six did have one pick that didn't help either uh, along that line. But again, uh, they will they will get better. Uh, with, certainly with Missouri coming in and 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 look, uh, Trav. Uh, people are talking about how much trouble Brian Horson is in. Uh, uh, my uh, my logical question is the the reality of it is. Eli Drinkwith is not much more secure than Horson is, is he? I wouldn't think so. And then there was this sort of interaction on social media um, over the over the weekend following the game uh, where Luther Burden was concerned. Yes. And yes. Uh, that was sort of clarified, I guess, in the day or so that followed. Mm-hmm. But can't afford to lose the few five oh. stars you're picking up uh, with guys like Luther Burden at the wide receiver Position. So as we continue to move on here and look at a weekend in which you got a couple of three teams on a bye week also, um, we're thinking about, you know, what's still to come in the month of October. This is just the start, Brent. Yeah, and yes. I think for some teams, a bye week in a good spot. But, you know, you start thinking about you got to run these next eight or so weeks in a row with what's to come. Uh, a couple different ways you can look at the bye week for Tennessee and some of these other teams coming down. Uh, Trav, if you're Tennessee, you're four and zero for the first time since 2016. You're you're one of the hottest teams in America. You're and, and particularly offensively, you're having a lot of fun. I, I wonder, and and we see the emergence of Brew McCoy uh, with the the USC transfer. Trav, I wonder if those kids want to play more than they need to recall. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty hot right now, Brew yeah. McCoy. Definitely. I think uh, that's helped out Tennessee getting him eligible Ooh. with Tillman out. Mm. That's been a big, uh, a big uh, development for the Vols, no doubt about it. Well, Brent, as always, a lot of fun reviewing and previewing as we look ahead to the first weekend in the month of October. Crazy to say that, but here we are, and 
Always great stuff with you here on the podcast. Uh, and Trav, as we go, uh, certainly uh, we'll be remiss if we didn't continue to say thoughts and prayers for uh, everyone in the state of Florida mm-hmm. over the over the next two or three, four days uh, with all that they've got to deal with, and particularly, uh, unfortunately, that these folks in the southern part of Florida. Yeah, as we record this on Wednesday morning. Not looking good for that section there from about Fort Myers north yes. to Tampa. That alley, as it looks right now, in southwest Florida and then even into the central Florida area and then moving up through northeast Florida. And who knows what might happen if Ian gets back out over the water there in the Atlantic and all the way up through South Carolina. Boy, this thing is uh, producing major issues for a lot of folks. And as you said, we. We hope everyone gets through this thing in relatively good shape. So, Brent, look forward to doing it again next week. Me too, pal. Can't wait. Take care. For Brent Beard, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again for joining us here on Second Helping. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, we hope you'll do so. And while you're doing that, if you'd leave us a rating and a review, that would help us out tremendously as well. For Brent, Travis, have a great and safe weekend, everybody. And until next time, so long.